All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen. I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And today, it is a very special day because we're honoring and talking about the 95th Academy Award nominations. Yeah! (laughs) The Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences is gathering to honor the best films released in 2022. The 95th Academy Awards will air on Sunday, March 12th, 2023, and will be hosted by Jimmy Kimmel at the Dolby Theater in Los Angeles, California. So, right off the top, Ben... What did you think of not only the presentation, the kind of live stream? We didn't obviously watch it live. We were both working. But what did you feel about the little bit of live streaming that they had for the nominations? And what are your overall opinions of the Oscar nominations this year? I was actually watching part of it uh, this morning. Uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually, I woke up, it was like at 9 o'clock, I think it started. So I was like, oh, let me remember to watch because I was up at like around that time. Totally forgot. It was like 9.05. I'm like, crap. Go right to Twitter <laughs> and start looking at everything. So it was awesome. It was a great, uh, really cool presentation. I thought was it Allison Williams and Riz Ahmed. They, you know, just like two people in Hollywood, good faces. You know, May, you know Allison Williams being in Megan, Riz Ahmed winning an Oscar last year. So, you know, showing kind of like combination. a new, Yeah, but it's like a new face <laughs> of Hollywood type of thing. But a funny it, combination. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I I thought it was a great time. I you know love this morning. Uh, I love you know knowing what gets nominated. I'm wearing my Oscar shirt that John got me from the Academy Museum when he visited. Yeah. So a uh, peep that swag and uh, it's yeah I lo- I love today. I'm excited to break everything down. As like the ten minutes before I jumped on to start recording, I was like low energy, and then within five minutes I was like, let's go, and I had nothing. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, it's always a great time to see the nominations, see the kind of surprises. For me, there were kind of less surprises than I'm, I guess I'm usually used to. Maybe I'm like more in the vein than even the past couple of years that we have been. So maybe that's kind of why that there wasn't the the big snubs for me other than, of course, the Batman, which we'll definitely talk yeah. about. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. I, th- I like the the award presentation or the nomination presentation this time around. It seemed a little more relaxed and, and simplistic, and they weren't trying to you know do any kind of crazy bells and whistles uh, because it isn't the show. It's just a kind of informational dump for us to kind of digest before March 12th when we get to the actual Oscars. So if there's nothing else you want to add off the top here, Ben, I think we should jump in and start at the very bottom of the 95th Academy Award nominations. Yeah, John, let's start it out and let's jump all the way down to Best Sound. Nominees we have here are Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, The Batman, Avatar The Way of Water, and All Quiet on the Western Front. And as we're going to kind of break down these categories, me and John are going to give the the film that we want to win and the film that we think actually will win this category. So, John, What's the film you want to win for Best Sound, and what do you think is the film that will win for Best Sound? Well, right off the top, like I said, I I love The Batman. It's one of my favorite movies of the year, and The Batman had some incredible sound design, and I really love the immersive world that they built of Gotham and the amazing sound design of not only just the world that we're in, but also the amazing tools and gadgets and, of course, the iconic new Batmobile that we have. 
So I went with the Batman. That's who I would want to pick. That's probably who I would personally pick if I had the choice. But I think Top Gun Maverick is going to sweep some of these technical categories, and I think it's going to win Best Sound. Ben, what do you think is going to win Best Sound this year? So we actually have the same exact picks. I want the Batman to win, but I think Top Gun Maverick will win. The Batman, we have to see that in Dolby Cinemas, which is the ultimate sound experience. And just the way this the film was mixed, the all the different like sound uh, designs and edits that were made into it were so technically precise, and it was just amazing to listen to. But Top Gun was also a great time. I'm not going to take anything away from that. And I think that is just the choice that everybody's going to make, you know, because of the craziness, the effects that goes into the movie and how real it felt. I mean, it was real, but just uh, how great of a movie it was. And definitely the sound was a huge part of that, especially that opening sequence uh, when he's trying to go to 10 was a Mach 10. And uh, just like you felt your own heart beating as the plane that he's riding is like just about to hit that like point where it's not going to be able to survive. And eventually, you know, it happens. So. Top Gun Maverick will definitely take this. Now that it's just one category, it's simply just best sound. So it could be mixing, could be editing, or a combination of the both. And I think, honestly, Top Gun is an amazing choice. And it is a great choice to pick. And I think about, you know, recording dialogue (laughs) in a jet that's incredibly loud, that's in the sky, that's moving around all the nature and elements. I mean, just that alone, recording clear and precise audio, I would imagine a lot of it is dubbed over ADR. But even still... If it's that good, you don't even notice it, and it's like that authentic, then I think that goes a lot, and it goes a long way to show how great the sound design was in Top Gun. Moving on to Best Original Score. The nominees are The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere, All at Once, The Banshees of Inishirin, Babylon, and All Quiet on the Western Front. John, what did you pick for your want and will win for this category? I want the Batman. I'm sorry. Yeah, God. I'm sorry. I know. I'm so sorry. I know, man. It's... I'm sorry. I thought I thought we were going to have this. I thought we would have had it this year. It's not nominated, so I can't say it. Man, it, it's a tricky one because I do love the uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once score. The Failmans, obviously, John Williams. It was really, really amazing. But I will probably have to go with what I think will win, which is Justin Hurwitz for Babylon. That would be probably my pick out of the five that we have here. Uh, the Banshees of Inishirin is a really great score as well. But I'm going to go with Babylon. Uh, he's already won. I believe he won for La La Land in the past. But I think it's a, another opportunity for him to win. It may be the only chance that Babylon even gets any sort of award in the night. But if it's not going with Babylon, my guess would probably be the Banshees of Inishirin. But Ben, who do you want to win? Who do you think will win? Yeah, so in our little doc, I wrote the Batman, then crossed it out. And I put, <laughs> I want Babylon to win because it is such an original score. Uh, Justin Hurwitz was, is a very kind of a genius, like for as young as he is. I mean, yeah, he won for La La Land. Now for Babylon, just like this constant, like that, like riff, the it's so catchy and it, it symbolizes like so much of the 1920s in a way. Like, like it feels like all the instruments are from that era, so it has to naturally have that sound in it. And because it's such a great score, it's not going to win. So the film that I think will win <laughs> is I just kind of threw a dart at the board and landed on the Fablemans. John Williams, I think today, if I remember correctly, he set the record, or at least for the person who's alive, the most uh, nominations ever for, I think it's a person living right now. Wow. So 
I don't know. Maybe because voters see John Williams' name. They know how important he is. He's getting older. The people still like the Fablemans. Maybe they're just like, ah, let's give this one to John Williams. So it, this is a weird one to pick. And Babylon seems like the, the best choice to make, but just because of that, it won't win. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a good choice. I think the Fablemans, because it could be John Williams' last chance to really ever be nominated. I think people know that this was kind of reported as his last film, even though he's now recently said that he'll make another score with Spielberg, as long as Spielberg is still making films. So it may not be his last score, but I think that news has kind of already gone around. I think people know how old he is. They know that he's kind of going on one last kind of big hurrah tour to kind of show off his music and his legacy and his history so i think that is a great choice but let's move on to best makeup and hairstyling with the nominees of all quiet on the western front the batman black panther wakanda forever elvis and the whale who do you want to win ben and who do you think will win for best makeup and hairstyling this one i kind of went back and forth just because all of them are, are pretty great um i Okay, I kind of this is how I eliminated it and came to my conclusion. Black Panther, as great as it is, I just think that it's not going to get all the love besides one specific category in the evening, so I crossed that out. Uh, I thought All Quiet on the Western Front, as great as it is, still another war movie kind of scene there, I've done that, so cross that out. The Batman was my third choice, and the Batman, I was just like, it's still like too gritty, and some of it's like is like really great and very unique and authentic to the world, and of course the Penguin suit is a humongous feat but i still think that's enough for it still to cross that out elvis was the second choice just because of recreating elvis's look but that still wasn't accurate enough for me like i know austin butler did a great job but he doesn't look exactly like elvis so you know what i mean he's not the exact look so i took that off and so i ended up with the whale uh the whale just it's all you know brendan frazier's before and not saying that brendan frazier didn't do anything like it's just that's the visual, but what Brendan Fraser delivers is the emotions, the facial expressions, the eye movement. Like that's what's underneath. That's the great acting. But this this suit is pretty incredible, and when you see it throughout the entire movie, you're fascinated by it. I know it's controversial, but it does seem like there's a lot of critical praise for it. So I want the whale that I want to win and will win for best makeup and hairstyling. So I'm going to agree right alongside you, Ben. I think The Whale will win, and I want it to win. I think you're exactly right. I, I actually saw this movie this past weekend, and I was really blown away by it, and especially the makeup. At first, it was kind of jarring. I I mean, I hadn't seen much of the trailers. I think the only little footage that I saw was mainly a couple stills and kind of quick moments. So I didn't really know how much we were even going to see of this character or of his whole body and really just how much that would show. And I was taken aback at first, and it took me kind of a couple minutes to get into it just because I know Brandon Frazier and I know a lot of his films and what he kind of looks like in real life and this press tour that he's kind of been going on. So seeing him, you know, as this character, and you're right, it's the center of the film. He is the whale of this story, and he's represented in, in such a realistic way where I've seen the shows like 90 Day Fiance or... Uh, the TLC, sorry, that's what I'm trying to think of. The TLC shows all about like my 600 pound life and that kind of 
those kinds of shows all about like morbidly obese people and i was kind of shocked by how just realistic and true to life it looked and not only that it's something that you have to sell if you don't sell it and it doesn't look realistic and believable the entire movie just falls apart the entire movie just just doesn't work at all so it's a feat that they were able to pull this off and make it look as realistic realistic as it is and i think the whale is gonna take home the oscar for it so next uh was best live action short uh the nominees are an irish goodbye evalu le Papuil, night ride and the red suitcase john and i haven't seen the shorts and as we hit them we'll just kind of reiterate this so we're just not going to give a pick for these but excited to watch them i always try to make an effort and you should too because plenty of movie theaters uh in your areas will show like within a two-hour span like all the live action shorts all the animated shorts all the documentary shorts great way to experience those movies and going to the theaters is good for your brain and your soul gets you a's in school kids (laughs) but let's move on to best costume design the nominees of babylon black panther wakanda forever elvis everything everywhere all at once and mrs harris goes to paris ben who do you think will win and who do you want to win for best costume design so I want Babylon to win for costume design. Uh, being in New York City, I'm very fortunate to go to, to some really great movie theaters. And one of them, an, an AMC, has costumes from a lot of movies like in display cases, especially for new ones. And they had the Babylon uh, costumes there. They had Margot Robbie's red dress. They had the tuxedos. It's so wow. classy. It's so elegant but raunchy. And everything is just so meticulous in that movie. So... I want that to win, but I think what will win is Elvis. I think just the the pizzazz. People love this movie. I don't like. I've said it before. Like Oscar voters love Elvis, so I think that this is a this is a category where they're gonna put it in. They, they love all the costumes of Elvis. They love the design. Everybody's clothing in it. So like all all of Elvis's clothes are iconic. All of his suits. So I think that's gonna win best costume design. But John, what do you think will win for best costume design? That is a great pick, but I'm going to go with what won previously for the first film in the franchise for Black Panther, where Ruth Carter won for the original Black Panther, and I think she's going to win again for Black Panther Wakanda Forever because of Neymar and his gang. You know, the people that they, the the kind of civilization that they build up, their amazing costumes, they're just they are just something that we've never really seen before. Obviously you could point to other like science fiction films, other kind of fantasy films and say, yeah, we've seen blue people. We've seen blue people in headdresses, but I think that she goes such a long way to kind of establish this world, establish the look from their costumes. And and they're really amazing. And it's not hard to take a comic book character and kind of adapt it to be something that not only works in live action, but makes it even look cooler in live action, honestly. And I love the design that they kind of use the kind of old, uh, like kind of South American design of, of the characters and of the world and Namor's people. And I think it's going to go a long way. She might not win because she's already won in the past for the previous black Panther. I think everywhere, every everything, everywhere, all at once could have a possibly chance of winning again. I mean, there's some really great costume designs in that movie, and a lot of the the film is based around different costumes. And and uh, but I think you're kind of on the money. I think Elvis has a really great chance of winning just in general. But right now, if I had to put money on it, 
I think Wakanda Forever is going to take it. I think that's so interesting because that's not a thing that just briefly looking at the costume design winners, it's not like the Oscars give it for like one movie and and also the sequel. So I don't know if if like the designs are just, they're great in the movie, but maybe just too similar in the vein and theme. It could be. On the first one. So that could like hurt it, but not a bad choice. But looking ahead to best animated short film, the nominees are the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse. The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks, An Ostrich Told Me the World is Fake, and I Think I Believe It. And I think that all of these are the best named titles for any category <laughs> ever. You can stack the tw- the 95th Academy Awards Best Animated Short Film just by title with any other category in, in Oscar history. This might win. Haven't seen any of these, but I need to see them, especially My Year of Dicks. <laughs> But moving on to best animated feature film, this is a category that we are well versed in. And John, the nominees are Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red. John, who do you want to win and will win for best animated feature film? Well, I saw Puss in Boots not too long ago and Oh boy, did I love that movie. Oh my God, was that so much better than I would have ever expected. I haven't even seen the first Puss in Boots movie, but I kept hearing how great The Last Wish Wish was. But man, I was so blown away by it. And I I love, love, love the animation style. It really made it feel like a a storybook. It really made it come to life. And I loved the characters and the, the character designs and how they use these old, you know, storybook legends and kind of recreate them for this world. And I was just really blown away, not only by this movie, but also the animation, which I think is perfect for the best animated feature film category, but it is, everyone's been talking about Pinocchio, whether it's the good Pinocchio, the bad Pinocchio, or some other random iteration of Pinocchio, because now anyone can make a Pinocchio film, so I really think it's uh, Del Toro's, this. It's. I think it's his year, I think he's going to take it home for Pinocchio, I think he's been doing great press about how animated feature films are just feature films, and I think that's a great uh, sentiment to kind of carry on and push animation forward, and come on, Pinocchio is just gorgeous and it's wonderful animation, but Ben, who do you think will win and who do you want to win for best animated feature film? So John, I also went to see Puss in Boots, The Last Wish, a couple weeks ago, which... (laughs) I think we just happened to have seen together, which was a lovely evening, <laughs> lovely time. And that movie rocked. We were having a time of our lives watching that movie. Uh, just the opening, the whole fight, I was laughing and giggling. Just some great animated sequences. The wolf in that movie, such a great villain. Like truly like a great villain that I, I don't think people are giving enough credit. And again, it's, it's like the theme of this year that this movie does not deserve to be as good as it is. I'm going to keep saying <laughs> that for like so many of the movies, and this is one of them. So I would love it to win. But the momentum behind Pinocchio, Del Toro, that seems like the obvious winner. I think I already won the Golden Globes. Del Toro is a big presence on film Twitter and very much like wanted people to experience film at, at the theaters to give a lot of credit to animated feature films as actual films. And it would feel right for the Academy to kind of legitimize that by taking like a more celebrated Best Picture and Best Director winner and also giving them a best animated feature film win. So it seems like a very obvious choice. All right, moving on to best visual effects. The nominees are Top Gun Maverick, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, The Batman, 
Avatar, The Way of Water, and All Quiet on the Western Front. Is this the first time that we are mentioning Avatar? I think it actually is. Actually, no, we mentioned it for Best Sound, but it's not going to work for that. So we're moving into the the visual effects category. I'm going to make this one crude joke that maybe Avatar should have been a Best Animated Feature Film. I don't know. Anyways, just saying. Moving on. John, what do you want and what do you think will win for Best Visual Effects? I, I think it's got to be Avatar The Way of Water. <laughs> I mean, come on. Come on. I saw Variety is like leaning towards Top Gun. Which, I mean, it wouldn't be a bad choice. It's really believable CGI. It's so great that the majority of the shots probably use visual effects and you would have no idea, and that's how good they are. But come on. Come on. We're talking about the man who has given us three now billion-dollar films. Unbelievable. And it's for a damn good reason. He creates very, very believable worlds, and the Avatar Way of Water is unreal. And I know, yes, the joke is it's an animated film, yada, yada. Well, there's live-action performances in there, and that's how good it is that they can immerse you in a world that has both these live-action characters and these completely digital characters. And not only that, now he brings it up to the next level of introducing water and all these different technical elements that you kind of have to battle with. And there's just scenes in that final like battle on that sinking boat that just are so unbelievably real-looking that it just kind of... Man, it, it makes you kind of question reality in moments with how much smoke, water, fire, like all these different elements while also having a digital character sitting right next to a real life human being and they're interacting, sometimes even touching. It's it's mind blowing how, how great that film looks. I don't think it's the end of where our visual effects will go, but I think it's definitely worth and should win for best visual effects. But Ben, tell me I'm wrong. What do you what did you pick here? So I kind of agree that um Top Gun Maverick should win and I want it to win. And I'm kind of leaning towards that I think it will win still. I think just like everything around it the practical like like that's the difference is that this is practical effects almost. Most of it is practical effects whereas um you know Avatar is mostly digitized and animated. And I wanted to go back and look at visual effects like we did with the costume design and be like, oh, well, sequels don't usually win visual effects, uh, but all three Lord of the Rings swept three years in a, in a <laughs> row. <laughs> so, and Jay and Cameron, you know, Titanic won for best visual effects. Terminator 2 won for visual effects. Uh, the Abyss did. It's, yeah, people love uh, giving him that award. Star Wars won multiple visual effects, so... Oh, man, this, this is a tough one, but actually, now looking at it, it does seem like Avatar probably will get it out of its four nominees. Like, is this, the, like, the only win that it will get, you think? It's possible. If I had to guess today, that's probably the only win that I would probably give it to. But Yeah. Pretty nutty. So, yeah, I, I'm going to yeah. agree that I'm still going to stick with that pick that Avatar The Way of Water will win for best visual effects. All right, let's move on to Best Production Design with nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. Ben, who do you think will win Best Production Design and who do you want to win? So I stupidly just put my foot in my mouth saying, oh, will Avatar win only one? And then I, for my <laughs> pick that I put before for Production Design, I'm looking at my notes 
and I had put that I was like, oh yeah, Avatar will win, and I don't think that's accurate. I think I was, I'm still like conflicted on this. I want Babylon to win. I think the production design of Babylon is flawless. It brings you right into this feel of 1920s. It captures the idea of Hollywood not being the the rolling city that we think of L.A. and all that surrounding area today. It was very much farmland and dirt that a lot of these movies were made, and I don't think people truly understand that or, or saw that, so it's getting to see that, and then everything else being brought into it, all the cool old movie posters seeing in that. Um, that's what I want to win, and I think I'm going to stick with that. I think Babylon will win production design. It wouldn't... Okay. If, if, if the Oscar voters didn't like it as much as like people say it is, or, you know, people don't love it, criticize it. then why is it here? Why does it have so many multiple nominations? <laughs> you know, I don't think you're crazy. That is my pick for wanting to win. I think Babylon does such a great job of bringing this kind of forgotten past to life once again. And I don't think I really thought about a location more in any film that I've seen this year than I really thought about. And I still think about that house, like that insane party house which I'm forgetting who who supposedly is is that house, uh, based on like the the old stories of the past. But man, I like have think the I've thought about that that party scene, and I've thought about that house and the elaborate design and all the people coming in, the epic beautiful entrance that you have filled with elephant shit probably, and smelled probably <laughs> awful like booze and cocaine. But what a what an amazing production design of a film that really brings to life just a forgotten world and the forgotten LA and I think Hollywood does love you know recreating the past and they love to get getting to see that again but I don't think it's gonna win because I think like you said the Academy has been loving Elvis and they've been loving different scenes and different screenings that they've been showing of Elvis and I really think Elvis is going to win for best production design. There's not really a moment in that film that doesn't really feel believable and lived in in terms of its production design and its design of the eras starting in like the late 50s going all the way up until the 80s. It does such a great job of taking us through not only his life, his world, but also the different worlds that kind of change around him. So I'm going with Elvis for best production design. Moving on to Best Original Song, the nominees are This Is A Life from Everything Everywhere All At Once, Not To Not To from RRR, Lift Me Up from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hold My Hand from Top Gun Maverick, and Applause from Tell It Like A Woman. John, what do you want to win and what will win for Best Original Song? Well, I love my girl Riri, and I love the music of Thames who helped produce and I think uh, did some backup vocals for Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. It is such a gorgeous, beautiful song that I think is such a great tribute to the legacy of Black Panther that you know we've lost with Chadwick Boseman, and it's such a beautiful, touching song that just gives me goosebumps. Then I still listen to it to this day, and I think it goes great with the film itself being all about grief. But I think the love for RRR, it being kind of somewhat a musical in moments and having such great dance scenes, I think Not Too Not Too is going to win for best original song. Just because I think not only are we going to have such a great time listening to that song at the actual award show when they present it and they uh, do the actual live performances, but I think it's a film that won't get that much love and a lot of people have talked about it this year. 
And I think a lot of people have talked about this specific song because of the great dance number that we get to see. So this is a hard category, though. I mean, Lady Gaga in there, and she's kind of become this Academy royalty in a way where people love her and they love seeing her uh, kind of bring in uh, the Academy Award. And maybe she gets an EGOT eventually in her career. There's a possibility there. But Ben, tell me what you think. What, what would you choose for best original song and what do you think will win? So I, I don't know. None of these really jumped out to me as like, this is a weird year. There wasn't like that big song, at least in my eyes. And one of the oh. big things I'm missing, and I have to admit this, I have not seen RRR yet, um, which I know I have to see. Um, I'm going to see it now. It's like on, well, once I like know what gets nominated and I know this, I for sure knew this was going to get nominated. just didn't have the time to see it. So I will. Um, so I didn't, I don't know. I kind of throw my hands up. One thing I want to note before I give who I think will win, though, is that Diane Warren is constantly getting nominated in this category. I just looked it up. This is the sixth year in a row she's been nominated wow. for Best Original Song. She has not won. She's never won an Oscar. She got an honorary award, I think, because people were like, oh, we got to get her something. Is this the year <laughs> Diane Warren gets it? I don't know. That would be out of nowhere. That would be would, out of nowhere. Would be out of nowhere. But what I think will win, and just from what is the Golden Globes, this one, Nazi Nazi from RRR, everyone seems to be talking about it. Seems like a fun number. I'm just going to go out on a limb and just say that will win uh, without even watching it. That's just how sure I am of it, you know. <laughs> All right, let's keep moving on to the best international feature film where we have The Quiet Girl, EO, Close, Argentina, 1985, and All Quiet on the Western Front. So, in fact, I've never seen any of these films. I think you've partially seen All Quiet on the Western Front. But who do you think might win? Who do you think will win? Or what are your overall thoughts of Best International Feature Film? Yeah, so I turned on All Quiet on the Western Front at like 11 o'clock at night, like during a weekday, like before work the next day. Started watching it, realized that it wasn't actually in English, that it actually was a German movie. <laughs> and so I had watched like half the movie in like dubbed, and I was like, this just feels wrong right now. And I tried <laughs> to watch it in du- you know, with the subtitles, and then it was so late at night, I was just like, I, I ruined the experience. So I got to rewatch it. But I loved what I did see. I was very into it. I, I Absolutely incredible. And just based off of the nine nominations it got, and it's in Best Picture, it has to win for Best International Feature Film. I think that it was the last few years, and it seems to still track the movie that is nominated or that, that wins Best International Feature Film is also a Best Picture nominee. It's happened the last several years. So it just seems very obvious, all quiet on the Western Front, that could win Best International Feature Film. So John, I think move- that's a great choice. Yeah. And I think it's it's a tricky topic because one of my favorite films of the year is not even on this list. And it is such a good film that I thought it would be nominated for Best Picture. I thought it would be the winner of Best International Feature Film. And it's not even here. And that's Decision to Leave, a Korean film. What an amazing film that I'm kind of shocked that it's not here. And I've heard such great things about all these films. And, you know, I, I can't say because I haven't seen any of them that you should remove one for this but I'm just kind of blown away that it's not here at all I'm just I really really love that film it's probably such a prestigious director and I just thought it would be here just off of how amazing it was how great 
the cinematic experience was. It was such an original film too. That was a, a simple story of, you know, a simple murder mystery that just is expanded into something so much more complex and interesting than what it was. or what it started out as, but I've heard so much about EO, you know, a film about a circus donkey, like what a crazy concept. And I heard it's really, really great and has no right being that great about a movie about a a donkey so i think that has a possibility i mean every i think every option here this is a really toss-up category but like you said i think if i really had to pick who will win i think it's got to be all quiet on the western front because it is all over the academy awards this year and i don't think anyone really expected that and we are some of the few people who were kind of saying this this is a this is a great film it looks great you watched part of it and said like this is a, a must-see I'm disappointed that I hadn't seen it, you know, since we have our own little history with it already. But, yeah, we uh, saw yeah, like, we talked about the original, and I think, like, the fact that the original isn't even talked about, like, so much what, with this movie being brought up, uh, what was it? I think it's the third film all time to be nominated. Well, actually, maybe this is more prize for Best Picture. So I'll, I'll just say right now, but uh, that All Quiet West Front is the third film that to be nominated that is a remake of a best picture winner the other two are mutiny on the bounty and west side story so and i kind of felt this way i think i talked about this when we talked about the last year's oscars about this like repeat of best picture winners because they're successful it's just going to keep happening they're going to keep remaking these movies but and this one seemed to really work out in a very surprising way but john i want to ask you like why you know, why isn't rrr here like it feels like that movie was so popular and so big, but it's not getting that recognition. That does that feel like kind of odd. It does. I think a lot of people would have expected it to be here. There are some people even trying to champion it for even best picture nominee. So I don't know. I've seen RRR. I think it's a great time. I think it's a really fun time. I don't really know if I can relate it to an American film off the top of my head, but it's basically like a buddy action film in a way and that makes it sound a lot more humorous than it is it's a very self-serious film yet knows how to knows like when to have a good time have fun and take a breather but it's hard to compare i think a lot of i don't know i could imagine a lot of american academy voters just being like i don't know what to expect of this like yeah. it is so out there and it's not considered a bollywood film i think it's just considered an indian film but I am shocked because there's such a big rally cry from the online community and I think it's a great it's a great instance to show that like yes the film community online is not the same as the academy. <laughs> the academy doesn't probably actively, you know, show off their opinions and publicly announce it. I'm sure there's some people in the academy are, that are more vocal in public than others, but you know the film Twitter sphere and the the letterbox, you know, accounts that like love to praise RRR it's just not the Academy, and I think it really just comes down to the difference of voters. There's probably a lot of older voters in the Academy still that look at RRR as just being too much for them, I would imagine. But it is a great film. I think everyone should go watch it because it's a great time. It is shocking, though, and it just really makes me want to watch The Quiet Girl or EO or Close in Argentina 1985 because, man, if it's beating out Decision to Leave and RRR, they have to be some pretty great films. So I'm excited to watch those, hopefully, maybe before the actual awards on March 12th. But let's keep moving on to best film editing. And the nominations are The Banshees of Inner Sheeran, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, and Top Gun Maverick. 
Ben, who do you think will win and who do you want to win? So I, this is like the one category I think that where I feel like the most love for everything everywhere all at once. I love that movie. Um, I think that when I saw this movie and I still believe it, like that editing must have been intense having to combine all the worlds constantly going back and forth, the different like formats of each of them of like the different like multiverses were shown on like those, that one sequence where it's like her it's Michelle Yeoh's character. There had to be like what? A hundred cuts, hundred different like faces <laughs> like put there and like the precision to do all that. Like whether that's on film or through an editing software like Premiere, you know, or what Final Cut, Avid, that's an incredibly hard task to have to pull off and do. And so I think the precision of that movie, the way it's paced, how it jumps into it, all the different angles, just such a well-edited movie. So that's what I want, and that's what I think will win. I think that this movie, like, stood out from that because of the editing. So. Uh, that's what I want, and I think that will win, John. But what do you want, and what will win for best film editing? I think Everything Everywhere All at Once has a great chance of winning. I think it's it's a tough one. It is a really, really tough one. I obviously love the editing of that. I think it's one of those films that probably, I think for sure, out of our nominations here, it's probably the lowest budget. And I think the editing of that film does such a great job of making that film feel bigger, feel more expensive, feel so much grander and epic than I think it would have been in the hands of a, a worse or less superior direct, or, uh, editor here. But this is a real toss-up for me. I mean, I think if I really had to pick any just right now looking at the list, I think it would be Elvis for me just because that movie is really made in the editing. There is such a rapid like breakneck pace of that film. Even the first like five minutes, you know you're in for like a just a treat of editing the amount of like insane transitions the like fade in and out of all these different scenes the crazy neon lights that they kind of like have flashing it really tries to portray the life of Elvis and try to put the the viewer in the shoes of what it would like to be this person who is so much bigger than life and who just like had a a life that just wouldn't stop it was just you know ride after ride and light after light and I think it did a great job of like utilizing the editing and trying to put us in that in his shoes in a way but man this is such a hard one because I think when you look at like traditional editing like from Banshees of Inishirin it's a great really well-made constructed film I think when you look at the other side of things and something that's a little more experimental than the rest of the films here you look at like something like Tar who I think the film editing is is slow and methodical and, and very precise and it's that kind of editing that makes you question like certain shots and, and certain choices of wh- why would we cut to this moment now you know why are we holding on this moment for a long time I think it makes you question a lot yeah. as the viewer but I think also Top Gun I mean I think we can't go without saying just how difficult it was probably to construct that movie's action scenes and especially the scenes that involve like you know six or I forget eight different jets at once the cohesiveness of showing where they physically are in the space cutting to inside of the cockpit and you know how they're having conversations when they're not even in the same like space it there's a lot of like hard work that probably went into constructing those flying scenes and making them feel compelling in a way that i think is just not something we see very often looking ahead to best documentary short film the nominees are the elephant whisperers hallett how do you measure a year the martha mitchell effect and stranger at the gate 
we have not seen any of these movies, so we're not going to get picks on these, but very excited to go watch them. Looking ahead to Best Documentary Feature Film, nominees are All That Breathes, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navani. Um, so I've seen, actually, parts of Fire of Love. Uh, Werner Herzog did, like, a, a, a requiem of it, like, just, like, a, an interesting edit that I saw, but it's not that exact movie. Um, but I haven't seen the rest of these. John, have you seen any of the Best Documentary Feature Films nominated this year? I think I've only heard about Fire of Love, which really seemed like a fascinating story. And it's a film that I've heard people even talk about, like outside of the filmy kind of world. So just jumping off a name, that's kind of what I would jump to, Fire of Love. It's just such an interesting story. And of course, you're going to get such a crazy visuals from those volcanoes that they study. But no, yeah, I, I just one of those things where I just don't watch enough documentary films. Just I... You know, it's just not my bag, and it's I have nothing against documentaries. I just love fiction. I love storytelling, and I love stories, and you definitely get that out of documentaries. I think my partner does a great job of helping me introduce me to more documentaries, even though they're mainly uh, murder-themed or uh, drug-related or, you know. But I do have a, a – I just love – shows this has nothing to do with what we're talking about but <laughs> i love shows that are telling true stories you know when i think of this chippendale show that came out recently the uh, theranos show i uh, the dropout you know all these shows about like real life stories and business people for some reason i love when they dramatize them you know sometimes they're not that great sometimes they're just average or just okay but i'm just like i'm addicted to them i don't know what it is i love watching shows about failed companies it's fascinating but anyway that's completely not related let's <laughs> talk about best cinematography this year ben the nominees are tar empire of light elvis bardo false chronicle of handful of truths and all quiet on the western front ben who do you want to win for best cinematography and who do you think will win so let me just start out by saying, like, what the hell is going on? Like, the when <laughs> when I was watching that live stream when they announced this, and I was like, what? Those that's not what I thought would be there. I mean, like, yeah, I was hoping like Empire of Light would be there. Yeah, Elvis had I thought had a chance, but I didn't think Tar would. I didn't think All Quiet on the Western Front, and I haven't seen Bardo, but I know a lot of people don't like Bardo. I thought like Top Gun would be there. I thought Avatar would be there I, I thought everything everywhere all at once would have there i thought the fablemans had a shot at you know getting best cinematography so i was completely taken aback first off i love empire of light i was hoping i hope that that would actually get nominated i was actually excited when i saw that i i was i gave a little cheer for that so i was excited for that i love the look of that movie the style i mean it's roger deacon so well you know what are we what are we really talking about we're talking about like the best at his craft <laughs> i you know but giving a just a it's such a subtle emotional film, like just totally like not what you would put in Roger Deakins like filmography in terms of what you'd expect to have, especially coming off of like two wins of Blade Runner 20, 2049 and 1917. So he comes back with Empire Light with Sam Mendes. And I actually love the look of this movie. It's beautifully shot. So I, I want it to win, but then I start thinking, okay, well now what will win? I don't think enough people saw it. I think Elvis has a really good shot, but I think, I don't know, sometimes, it, like, I just, I didn't love the Elvis cinematography as much as I love everything else about it. So, I putting my eggs into the All Quiet and Western Front basket, again, 
It got nine nominations. No one expected it. And it's a really great looking film. It's another war movie. Best cinematography goes to a lot of war movies. They love that look, all the dirt and grit. So, and the shot choices are really fantastic in this. So I'm going to go out on a limb. All Quiet on the Western Front will win Best Cinematography. But that can change very quickly. And who knows what I'll say come Oscar night. But, John, what do you think? What do you want to win? And what do you think will win for Best Cinematography? You know, I don't think that's a crazy choice. I think I still think out of 40 episodes, 40 best pictures that we've seen, All Quiet on the Western Front, the original is still one of the best shot films and I imagine they take a lot from that film and kind of expand on it, modernize it and they probably do some incredible stuff with those war scenes because they have to. They have to kind of honor that original film. But what would I would want? I Elvis man, I Baz Luhrmann is just a crazy man and I think I don't know if this is the same cinematographer Mandy Walker who's kind of worked with him in the past, but I love his just nonstop energy and his like whip and breakneck pace and that goes directly with his cinematography as well where the camera is flying around it can't even keep up with you it's just non-stop and it's just keeping the film going and going and going I think it's a great addition to the film that just helps it not feel slow and not feel too much of a film I think it's a longer film over two hours but it really flies by from the cinematography but what do I think will win and this is a random one. I think Roger Deakins' Empire of Light, I mean, he's won before. I think his time, uh, at least for now, since Empire of Light is just not the most talked about film, is kind of past. I think All Quiet on the Western Front is a good choice, but I just don't think enough people have seen it to really praise it. But a film that I think people have really praised and will praise more is Tar. And I really love the cinematography of that. I think it matches our protagonist perfectly with this kind of cold, blue, icy steel look and the very precise precision of its cinematography. I mean, even the driving scenes of this movie are so beautiful and like have no right looking as good as they do. I think you could maybe argue that it looks a little too much like a commercial at times with, with the kind of look of the film and it's how stylized and slick everything is, but... I thought it was damn beautiful and definitely worthy of an Oscar. Let's keep moving on to best original screenplay with the nominees being the Banshees of Inishirin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. Ben, who do you want to win and who do you think will win? So I want The Fablemans to win for best original screenplay. Uh, more of just because it, you know, Spielberg, we got this hearing, I, you know, I heard an interview of him talking about the process, you know, him and Kushner did a lot of zooms during the pandemic. This was a project he worked on during that time. So it, it was very, it was an emotional process. It was very difficult to have to go through and think about this stuff and think about his, his childhood and the, just cause of how emotional it was. And then to bring it to life on screen, it, it's beautifully when written beautifully told um so that's what i want to win but it seems like everything everywhere all at once is going to win best original screenplay just because of the the new idea the new just like approach to it the the how different it is how they're able to identify all the different versions of the main characters so that one it, it just feels like the momentum is just carrying it so i'm going to give that one to everything everywhere all at once but john what do you want and what do you think will win for best original screenplay I think Everything Everywhere All at Once is 
is gorgeous. That that's probably what I would pick for my personal choice of what I would want to win. I man, I just want to see the Daniels up on stage, man, in any way possible. If they win this or directing, it'll be such a dream for me. I think that would just warm my heart so much. These two guys that just come off of making this like movie about a dead body that farts and no one took it seriously and that movie's so beautiful so great and they come back with everything everywhere all at once and it's just as bombastic and crazy and and all over the place man i absolutely loved it but i don't think it's gonna win i think the academy freaking loves martin mcdonough and i think they love banshees of inisherin and i think they love his writing i mean he it's his voice shines in this film and these characters and it's a story that I think people keep talking about. I've like talked to people in my family who are just like, it's just such an interesting story. Like it was so sad, but also like hopeful and, and, and charming in some ways. And it's a tough one though. I think people really love Todd Field's tar. He, he doesn't make films very often and people have been really praising how subtle this is. And it's a film about cancel culture in a way that like people are just, it's so subtle that people are like barely even talking about this movie. People barely even saw this movie, but it is in a way about cancel culture. And maybe they should have sold the movie Tar on that more. I think it would have gotten some more eyeballs on it. But I think the Banshees of Inisherin is going to win for best original screenplay. I think it's a truly wonderful story that is also very character driven and just has that voice. You know, it has that that specific voice that you just don't see in any of these other picks. I think you have such crazy, wonderful stories, like everything, everywhere, all at once, and the subtlety of Tar and the absurdity of Triangle of Sadness and the personal connection with the Fablemans, but I don't think you have a unique voice on the same level of Banshees of Inisherin. so I'm going with the Banshees. Moving on now to Best Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are Women Talking, Top Gun Maverick, Living... Glass Onion, A Knives Out Story, A Knives Out Mystery, and All Quiet on the Western Front. John, what do you want and what do you think will win for Best Adapted Screenplay? Man, this is a tough one. I think Top Gun being here at all is pretty astonishing. <laughs> I mean, you're you're taking these characters like 30 plus years later, trying to revive them in some way. I... I think it's kind of ridiculous that Top Gun Maverick is here. No way do I think it's a poorly written film. Is it a bad story? Or anything? I don't think it's negative in any way, but like you really couldn't think of another well-written film to kind of put in here. Okay, that's fine. Whatever, whatever, that's, that's fine. But I want it to win. No, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that would be crazy. That would be crazy. That would be I also want to talk about... Yeah, yeah. I also want to talk about Glass Onion. I mean, I think it's pretty astonishing that this is even here. I think for some people, Glass Onion not being more on these nominations is kind of disappointing and kind of surprising. I didn't really think it was on that kind of Oscar caliber level. I think it was a fun, great mystery. I hope he makes more. I can't wait to see more from Ryan Johnson. But I don't really think he fits that much into what is normally considered worthy and what are classic kind of Academy pictures, but I'm wrong. Here he is nominated for glass onion. And I think the reason why he's nominated is because of how relevant and right on the nose that film is, you know, I don't think it's, it's that elegant in terms of the way it's presented, but I think it's definitely has its finger on the pulse and almost predicted the future in some sort of ways. But 
everyone's been talking about Sarah Polly and, and, and women talking and talking about how great uh, that not only the performance is, but the writing is. So I really think women talking is going to win. If I had to pick a film here, I haven't even seen Living, but I love Ikaru, the film that it's based on, the Japanese film. Uh, it is one of my favorite films of all time. So if I just had to pick one as what I would want to win without even seeing, seeing the movie and if I really want to go out and see it, I'm going to pick a living. Ben, what do you want to win and what do you think will win? So it's funny that you say living because that's what I want to win. I loved living. I thought it had the most heart. It had the, the best soul, especially of all these nominees. It was just truly a tender story. And I, and I've talked about this before. What does it mean to be the best adapted screenplay? Is it the, just the best screenplay that is adapted or is it the best adaptation of the original material? And this is such a great adaptation to it, putting it to British culture, modernizing it, but not really modernizing because it still takes place in uh, what the fifties, but it has just this like really like, uh, you know, great feel to it. Um, So I loved living, but I don't think it will win. What I think will win is women talking and I'm not, a huge fan of women talking. Um, I, I saw the movie. It just didn't have that like impact that I thought it would have on me. Um, I actually thought the writing was kind of its downfall in some of the ways. Not that performances were really good, but I felt like sometimes the writing wasn't very balanced that it was trying to be like, you know, it keeps it all in one setting for most of the part, but most of the story. And I know it's like how it's supposed to go, but it just didn't like, translate as well to me uh as other stuff so i like the movie didn't love it but i think that it will win uh best adapted screenplay but moving on to best supporting actress the nominees are angela bassett for black panther wakanda forever hong chow for the whale carrie condon for the banshees of anna sharon jamie lee curtis for everything everywhere all at once and stephanie sue for everything everywhere all at once john who do you want and who will win for best supporting actress? Man. What a great, great category this year. Seeing Stephanie Sue on here is just crazy. I mean, to see her and Jamie Lee Curtis both from the same film, that doesn't happen very often, as we know, and as we've seen through the history. I, I mean, I can't believe Jamie Lee Curtis made this list. It, it is crazy how <laughs> she's been kind of promoting this film. And I, to her credit, I mean, I think she is part of the reason why this film is on the level that it is. I think she has kind of voiced this film and talked about how great it is. And she's even been so open and honest about the production of Everything Everywhere All at Once, where she was on the film and didn't really understand what was happening. Like, didn't really understand what they were trying to do. Didn't really see the full vision. But that's just what's so wonderful about filmmaking is it's all made in the edit and constructed after the fact but she gives such a wild lovely performance that I just don't think we're used to seeing from Jamie Lee Curtis but I'm gonna go with who I would want and who I think is also gonna win no Angela Bassett's gonna win <laughs> I think most people have kind of seen this coming for a while I think she kind of carries Black Panther and the franchise forward she is such a strong just powerful presence that we just don't have enough like female voices and female characters that are this like dominant and powerful, you know, that are leading an entire country and like the biggest, strongest kind of nation in the world of the MCU. It's fascinating. And she gives such a, an amazing performance. Spoiler. I wish she was 
<laughs> not killed because <laughs> I wish we could see her again in the third Black Panther movie. But I think it's a great way to honor the series and the kind of film. It may not win any other award, but I think her winning is a huge deal, not only for Marvel and the MCU, but it's just a great deal for the industry to to have this wonderful character and this wonderful actress that everyone seems to really love uh, win. So that's what I think will win. But who I personally want to win is Hong Chow from The Whale. I just saw it, like I said, recently, and she is the... I won't say she's the emotional core, but she's the emotional anchor in a way. Like this movie does not work without her performance. And she is such an interesting, complex character who you see and totally relate to on either side and gives just an amazing performance and a performance that is 1000% about grief, but both, you know, past grief and current grief. It's a really, really powerful, really amazing performance. One of the best I've seen all year. But Ben, tell me, who do you think will win? And who do you want to win for Best Supporting Actress? Yeah, so this is a very interesting category. And when the nominations came out, I was a little surprised because there was no Women Talking nominations. Uh, it seemed like those would be shoe-ins, that we would have a couple of nominations from the movie and not just Supporting Actress, but also Actress. And it got snubbed. Um, so I really want Hong Chao to win. I think she does give the like the just such a great emotional performance. It would really, it would really, I think, you know, legitimize that movie to, to just have like one, like one win like that. It could, just because she's so great. She's just as good as Brendan Fraser. Um, Carrie Condon's great in the Banshees of Anna Sheeran. And we talked about Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie, Stephanie Sue for everything everywhere all at once. But yeah, the momentum for Angela Bassett, she's a powerhouse in the movie. She's a powerhouse in the film industry. It would, yeah, be a great moment for Marvel to really hang their hat on. Uh, I I think it could happen, and it seems like it's going to happen that Angela Bassett will win. So shocking! I would not have like when we watched the movie. It was like so good. It was like oh, she's could get a sneaky nomination. Now it's like she's gonna actually win the thing. So it's pretty crazy, crazy right? It's absolutely crazy. So moving on though to best supporting actor. Our nominees are Brandon Gleason from The Banshees of Anna Sheeran, Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway, Judd Hirsch from The Fablemans, Barry Keegan from The Banshees of Anna Sheeran, and Kay Hui Kwan as from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. John, who do you want? Who do you think will win for Best Supporting Actor? I think it's going to be Kwan, man. I think people just love him. They love this story. I think it's not only just how great his performance is and everything everywhere all at once. It's also just how people love his charming, inspiring story and how he's come 30 years later back and in the spotlight in one of the best films of the year, giving such a you know central performance that really he is, as much as it's a daughter and mother story, the film is is very much about his relationship to his wife and their almost breaking of their marriage and he just gives such a wonderful performance because he's a man who just doesn't have enough confidence and i think he portrays that perfectly and he just kind of twists it when you see his other iterations of his character it's why the movie's so great you see just how charming and how what a handsome person he's kind of grown up into and how he can play these these variety of different roles it's a really hard category I think these this is one of the hardest categories I think one of the kind of interesting picks here is is Brian Tyree Henry 
I mean, I really love him on Atlanta. He's really phenomenal. But having Causeway, I'm pretty sure that's an Apple film. And that kind of came out of nowhere. Jennifer Lawrence starring. And I heard he's really great in that film. So that's really great to see that he's showing up for Best Supporting Actor. Obviously, Brendan Gleeson is iconic such a great actor i feel like he's already won before judd hirsch i mean i don't know the the stats on this but this has to be one of the shortest inclusions for best supporting actor ever but what an incredible performance and moment in that movie and barry keegan i mean god what an amazing amazing actor i think he's becoming our new joaquin phoenix i think he's on that level and I think he's just going to continue to blow us away. I'm excited. Hopefully, we get to see him actually as the Joker. And he's amazing in Banshees of Inisherin. But I think Kihu Kwan is going to win. And he deserves to win. And man, his Golden Globe speech was amazing. All of his speeches that he, we've seen him give so far have been so charming and adorable and sweet. But I just... Oh, man. I can't wait for his Oscar speech, man. I think this may be the the most definite lock. I think some people might argue for best lead actress next for the biggest lock. But, Ben, tell me. So, I looked it up to answer your question about the shortest uh, supporting actor performance. It actually looks like it was Alan Arkin for Little Miss Sunshine at 14 minutes. Uh, And just to give some context, like Judy Dench... One for five minutes in Shakespeare in Love and Beatrice Strait also won for five minutes in Network. Uh, Mahershala Ali won Best Supporting Actor in Moonlight for 20 minutes. So Judd Hirsch, yeah, is between that 10, 15 minute range. He steals the entire movie. <laughs> uh, I was talking to someone at work who's very into the fable ones as well. And we agree, like, Judd Hirsch is just like, whoa. Like, came out of nowhere. I can speak from a personal perspective that that feels very much like many family members and that of just a combination and just the, like the inner monologue that, and that's like one of the things I love about the writing in the Fablemans is like, this feels like Spielberg had this inner monologue of what are you going to do for your art? What are you willing to put out there? What are you willing to do? Are you willing to, to go out there and be part of the circus, the entertainment and be the, in the line of fire to create your art? Like, what are you willing to give? And, so that's what Judd Hirsch brings to the movie. It's so good. It's not going to win, though. And then I really love Brendan Gleeson's performance as Banshee's been a year, and, like, he is this just emotional core, this very real and authentic, you know, take on life and just, you know, some people's take on, like, I'm going to grab life by the balls and make it my own it can be very subtle sometimes, and that's the performance he gives. But it is going to be uh, Quan from Everything Ever All at Once. I... Uh, Hollywood loves him. He's on the press stories. Everyone's adoring him. It's going to be an exciting moment to have this kind of huge redemption arc from child star to really nothing to all of a sudden Oscar nominated, Oscar winning. And he's going to get a lot more roles just of how charismatic, how good he is in, at, at his role in everything ever all at once. So that's what I think will happen. But moving on to best lead actress, our nominees are Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna de Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. John, who do you want and will win for Best Lead Actress? Man, I want Michelle Yeoh. God, I want her to win so freaking bad. She is the most defining performance for me this year from an actress. She is so powerful and 
it's just not only would this be such an honor for her to win for this film and just representing this film and being the core of this film, but her legacy and her history and film and not only just our film, but Chinese cinema as well, is just given so much. And she's literally put her body and life on the line. There's just not many people that are on her level of being action superstars and also being so great in dramatic roles. And man, she is just so good. And she plays just both sides, the loving mother and the hard ass who just needs to get her daughter in line. She balances them so perfectly while also exploring how diverse... She plays an alien, a baby. She, like, does everything in this movie. It's such an amazing performance, and it would be such a great thing for the Academy to give it to something like this because it truly is just the most acting you could probably do. But I think, sadly, Kate Blanchett's going to win because people love Kate Blanchett, and people have been talking about her performance in Tar so much, and I'm not being sarcastic. I, I love... Kate Blanchett as well and I love her performance in Tar it centers the film it's all about her and it's all about this fake character that I thought was real and they got me they duped me hard <laughs> but I thought it was so real because it felt real and her performance is just amazing just so so great uh, Andrea Riseborough being on this list is a shock I think that's one of the biggest surprises I think for everyone for to Leslie being nominated for best lead actress that's just such a shock I did not expect that as well uh, Michelle Williams, that that's just, I, I think we could have had someone else there. Anna uh, <laughs> <Yep>. Darmis, <laughs> I think for Blonde is great. And I don't think that movie's great. I don't think it's even. I think it's questionable <laughs> in many ways. I won't go down the Blonde rabbit hole, but I think artistically and what what an amazing performance. I think she really dives deep into this, and she did put in a lot, a lot of work, and I think it shows. She gives a great performance and tries to hold that movie together but ben who do you think will win for best lead actress and who do you want to win yeah so i want to take a quick second time about the andrea riseborough nomination uh because nobody expected her to be there but then i think maybe like two weeks ago on film twitter it just seemed like all of a sudden people were just mentioning her because of the other people mentioning her like other like notable actresses and actors who are part of the oscars and it's like is she like camp like how, how is she campaigning for this like is she like asking like friends of hers because that seems to now be the consensus what i've seen that people be in like that she was able to like yeah get the help of friends to help campaign and get her this nomination i haven't seen to leslie i now have to go see to leslie i haven't told she actually is very good in to leslie and so that'd be great if she does get it but it also seems like this was a huge campaign on her end within this inner circle group of people that was able to expand. Uh, so very fascinating. I would love to know more of those inner details, but who would I want to win? I want Michelle Yeoh to win. I would love to see this new representation for this crazy. I'm going to say this movie is a sci-fi movie, the sci-fi, you know, grand scale movie. And she t takes on so many different roles, the emotional weight she carries in the movie. She's fantastic. She's funny. She's serious and dramatic and just, very very great in this film and at one point i thought Kate blanchett will win this but michelle yo is going to win this it seems like the groundswell and support for her is at an all-time high everyone loves her i think michelle yo goes in there and takes this oscar looking now to best lead actor the nominees are austin butler for elvis colin farrell for the banshees of inner sheeran 
Brendan Fraser for the whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. John, who do you want and who do you think will win for best actor? Well, first right away, you haven't seen After Sun yet. You really need to see it now, especially with Paul Mescal being nominated. He gives such a great performance. It's man, it, it's a really interesting performance, and that is such a really fascinating film and, and such a an experimental film and it's I don't want to spoil it in any way, but it's in its way of storytelling is, is very different than I think any film that's on any of these nominations and for it to be even nominated in any category, let alone best lead actor. Phenomenal. Really, really great, really wonderful performance. I got to go with Brandon Frazier. I just loved his performance in the whale. He plays such an interesting character, obviously not just from his size, but from who he is, the soft kind of human person that he is and empathetic and caring and just, man, you know, I saw myself in a lot of that film and I saw my family and my history and my lineage in, in a lot of that film. It was very, very impactful. And I think he just centers the entire film with his performance and it's so complex in the way it kind of weaves and turns. And I really wish this was nominated for adaptation. I think it it's one of my favorite and I think one of the best written films of the year. But Brendan Fraser's performance is just, it's really unbelievable. I think Austin Butler is going to win for Elvis because, God damn it, everything's about Elvis. Even the death of his daughter now, I think, is probably giving Austin Butler another bump to win as well because more people are just talking about Elvis. And it's a great performance, but it's hard because we're pairing comparing two different performances that are you know the classic oscar performances the makeup heavy the in your face you're gonna know the acting you know you're gonna see it directly right there loud they're gonna be screaming but i don't think that's what the whale is for the majority of it yes there's a perfect clip that we can all see and i think in the trailers where he's screaming and pointing his hand and it's very dramatic intense scene but the majority of that film is just him, his body movements, the way he kind of can barely move around his house, but the way he also just twinges his, like slowly turns his head, his eye movements. You know, he does so much with his body that some actors just don't even approach, let alone are in hundreds of pounds of prosthetics trying to be this character and really bring it to life. The movie just doesn't work at all without Brendan Fraser. And man, it's just great to see him on such a wonderful comeback and being loved and adored again. This is a really hard year. I've heard so much about living and Bill Nye's performance in that. And Colin Farrell is just wonderful. I mean, if there is an acting award for like best work across multiple films, you know, with the three films that he was in this year, Colin Farrell would win it hands down. But, Ben, tell me, who do you think will win for Best Lead Actor, and who do you want to win? Yeah, so I am agreeing that I want Brandon Fraser to win. I absolutely love his performance in it, the the eye movement, just how, just how much thought he gave into all his movements, of his facial expressions, the emotions he's trying to give off the 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 voice control is incredible so i i love that performance it's truly great and it's a performance that should like win every year but there's this vendetta against aronofsky among critics and like people just like 
gravitate towards like what the critics say and critics are you know get this uh, be like all oh, this movie isn't good and all of a sudden now everyone wants to shit on it but they love brandon fraser's performance and it's just this like weird unequal balance but he deserves to like win this outright and in terms of actually winning it i've gone back and forth but i actually think colin farrell is going to win this i don't know it just i feel like austin butler like you're probably right like the uh, lead simmery presley recently dying will help austin butler he's the good-looking guy he's young colin farrell's been here for a while it's actually his first oscar nomination which is shocking like everybody in the best actor category wow. is i did not know that yeah for, so all five of the nominees are first time nominees which is the first time in the lead actor category since 35 so this is over 80 years that we're talking about and there's 16 out of the 20 like acting nominees among the four categories are all first time nominees. So 16 new people they are going to see at the Oscars. And that's a great thing. And that's what people want to see. And it's a great thing to see. Um, so I just think Colin Farrell his life's work. Yeah. Being in the Batman certainly helped. I think that he's going to take it home, but I could be totally wrong. It could be Austin Butler. And I really hope I'm wrong just in general. Cause I hope Brandon Frazier wins. And if none of those win, Bill Nye living. So <laughs> great category stacked, right? Oh, incredibly stacked. Uh, but let's move on to Best Director. Nominees are Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inishirin, Daniel Kwan, Daniel Scheinert for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness. John, who do you think will win and who do you want to win for Best Director? This brings up a very interesting question. The Daniels are credited... And I think screen credited as the Daniels, if I'm not mistaken, in, in their films. So it's interesting that they would have their full names here and it wouldn't be based on the actual work. So does it have to be their legal born name, I would imagine? I don't know. Because Lady Gaga gets nominated as Lady Gaga. And that's not her real name. No. Right? So unless she changed that to her legal birth name. I don't. So that is fascinating. Yeah. That just made me think of that just now. Yeah. Maybe it's just how it was submitted for you know the because there has to for be like some uh person in an office for all these movies that's like all right we have to fill in our oscar paperwork and it's like okay i want <laughs> i want lady gaga to be nominated i want daniel kwan daniel Shire. you know i think it's just how it's like it's bureaucracy shit yeah it's got to be somewhere lost in the the handwritten forms or typed out forms but I want the Daniels to win. I Like I said earlier, I just want them on stage. I think they deserve it. They're these small little, small little music directors that just came out of nowhere and have made such a powerful impact on this industry. And not just in this, this industry, but the art form in general. Like There are so many people that have just fallen in love with everything everywhere all at once. And it's beautiful storytelling, and I think it really came out at a perfect time after the pandemic where so many people have gone through so many hardships. It's been really hard for families to kind of get through that and experience that. And a film about love and finding your center and finding who you are and making a film that is truly trying to be about everything, about life, death, and all the in-betweens and cracks that you may trip over is unbelievable and it's so hard to pull off not only is it so hard to pull off in a screenplay i imagine it's just impossible to think about how to, how they made this movie how they thought about it how they even kind of got to the point of constructing it but i think this is they're throwing a bone and i think it's a last 
just nod to an incredible director. Some might say the best director of all time, which is Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. I think, you know, it's a film that I don't think many people are talking about online in the social sphere. And I'm sure the Academy is talking about it a lot more than, you know, the online sphere is. But everyone knows Steven Spielberg. He's kind of been a part of our entire film life since we were born he's been such an integral part of american history and you can't even just reduce it to film or or tv or entertainment he's truly become an icon of america and american filmmaking and art form and the american dream there's just so much to say about steven spielberg and the fablemans is honoring his life his career his passion for filmmaking and i think it would be not only a great send-off for steven spielberg and his you know career and nominations Maybe he'll get nominated again in the future, but I think it would be just a great honor to go out by giving it to Spielberg. Ben, who do you think will win Best Director, and who do you want to win for Best Director? So I want Steven Spielberg to win. I think that he deserves it. I think that it, this movie, going that deep into yourself, incredible feat. Also, just how it looks is incredible. How... The actors, get, you know, their performances in it are absolutely incredible. Just the command he has over it to be that, you know, inward about himself and to, to take that leap is an incredible thing to see for a director, for an artist. And he does. He, like, he, as Judd Hirsch's character, what do you want to do for your art? I'm willing to show my true life, my true self on film and to tell a story that way. How I felt as a kid, how I felt as a teenager, how I felt falling in love with movies, how I felt watching the greatest show on earth. So I think it's a beautiful thing. He, he's the best. He's up there with, with the greats and he deserves to stay up there. And, but momentum is killing him right now. And just, again, this everything everywhere all at once train is going so hard. And the Daniels are going to walk away with that best director win it's pretty incredible. It's unexplainable. It, I don't really know what to make of it, um, but I think that the Daniels will win for Best Director. Moving on to Best Picture. The nominees are Women Talking, Triangle of Sadness, Top Gun Maverick, Tar, The Fablemans, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Elvis, The Banshees of Inishirin, Avatar, The Way of Water, and All Quiet on the Western Front. John, who do you want to win Best Picture, and who do you think will win Best Picture? I want everything, everywhere, all at once to win Best Picture. I think it is a monumental film. It is so impressive. I think it has merged the amazing history that we've had of filmmaking with this new digital online world. And I know we're, you know, 20 years into that. And, you know, YouTube has been around for what, like 15 years, at least something like that, maybe even 20 plus, but they've done such an amazing job at just showing how such a, you know, ragtag rag tag group of people can come together and make such a wonderful piece of art that is both, accessible to everyone and anyone who watches it you can watch this movie anywhere around the world and still understand the message of family and you know appreciating the one life that you're given it is such a beautiful beautiful film and I think it's a film 
that will go on to be talked about and remembered fondly and people will look back and have posters on their wall of googly eyes and their kids will be like what is that poster like i can't wait to see that movie with the googly eyes and (laughs) it'll be forever remembered and loved but i just don't think the academy is going to let a movie with butt plugs as a prominent scene to win best picture and i'm saying that as a joke i'm not saying that's that specifically I just think Everything Everywhere all at once has such a very distinct kind of sense of humor, a very sharp and aggressive sense of humor that is not prevalent throughout it, but there are very much moments where there there's a lot of people that I don't think will be okay with some of the scenes and moments in this movie. Not that it's that explicit or out there. I just think it's a little too weird, you know, and everything bagel being the center of the, the world and ending the world. I just think it's too weird for some Academy voters. I think there's older people that just like watch that and they're like, what the hell am I watching? It's too much. And I just don't think it's it's going to come across. And I think this may be a kind of year where votes get split. And I think there's a film on this list that I think any Academy voter can look at it and be convinced that that is cinema. That is an amazing film that tells an amazing story that transports you to a different kind of world, place, and time. And that's The Banshees of Inishirin. I think this movie is going to come out of nowhere. I think it's not going to get that many awards other than Best Picture. And I just think it's that classic like Academy vote that you'll just look at that movie, the amazing funny voices and the characters and the story that you still are like thinking about and arguing with with your friends. I think it's going to win. But Ben, tell me I'm wrong. Who do you think is going to win? So that's such a fascinating pick uh, for Banshees of Sharing for like what you think will win because of like a split kind of ballot. And I think I want to talk about that ballot and the process because it's a preferential balloting system. So they rank, you know, who you want to win. So there's like rounds of this. So basically you rank, you know, your 10 nominees and who you want to win. Like you'll put like, you know, I want Avatar first and blah, 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 blah. But then as the rounds and votes get counted, you eliminate movies less and less and movies get more and more votes of like second or third place votes. And until one movie gets the majority of votes, no matter what, that's when it wins. And that has worked in the favor of some movies in the past. It seems like Green Book got the benefit of that when that won. So I think that that could really play a big hand in this year. So with that, I th- I want the Fablemans to win. I think the Fablemans has been and still is the best movie of the year. It has the best heart. It it's genuine. It maybe being a Jewish person, it was really easy for me to get into and to understand and to relate extremely well as someone who loves film. I was like crying at some of the moments of how he you know you you know basically there's this one moment where where the young Spielberg is trying to uh, figure out how he's going to show like gunshots in the movie. And then when you realize and he figures it out that he pokes like holes in it and let the light through the understanding of that art, it's such like, a beautiful description and, and an honor to cinema that like, isn't that what makes a great, a best picture that it's not only t- it's taking the, the art form and making its own, doing its own things, but it's also honoring it in so many ways and being unique to it. So I love the Fablemans. I want that to win. 
I think Everything Everywhere All at Once will win, though, because of that momentum, because of all the nominations. I just think that everyone really loves it and really wants to see something new and different to win. But then I do think about the older voters and still have that, that, that base and then also this rank system of voting. And I think that's actually going to help the Fablemans. I think the Fablemans is going to be a lot of people's numbers two or three because it's still loved, so well liked. Everyone still loves Spielberg. And I think that if it keeps on being put as like that top movie is like oh, someone's one, but this person, like these 10 people's twos, all of a sudden that's going to start flipping it and it actually may work out in its favor. I don't know. I don't know the exact math and, and how it would all break down the stats behind it. But I think it's a real possibility. So I think everything everywhere all at once will win. Right now, that's just my pick I'm going for. We have well over a month. It's, you know, March 12th is still over a month away from the time of recording and us talking and reacting to the nominations. So I think there's a lot of changes that can still happen. I think we made a lot of great picks, a lot of picks that are just like, we don't know what to make of these nominations. And But there's a lot of movies that we still want to go see and are excited to see, and this is the best part of the Oscar season is catching up, understanding what we missed, and like how it all fits together to nail those ballots. So, John, I think that kind of wraps up our reaction to the 95th Oscars nominations. Anything else you want to hit on, touch on? Did we miss a movie at all? I don't think we did. We hit on all the categories. No, I don't really think we missed anything, really. I'm I'm really excited to see... How this year turns out, I think there's going to be a couple big surprises. I think a couple uh, random changes that we may just not expect. I'm excited to see just how the actual show plays out. You know, how Jimmy Kimmel handles it. Where we're kind of at in terms of viewership. Are we continuing to fall and fall like we have in the past? Is there anything that can kind of push us forward? Could Top Gun come out of nowhere and win Best Picture? Please, All of it could happen. Please. <laughs> I would love that. I I was so IMDb put out like you know the Instagram post of like oh here are the best picture nominees with like their IMDb ratings, and that is an eight point three. It like Top Gun wow. Maverick is like so high. Like people love that movie. Does not deserve to be as good as it is. <laughs> <laughs> that is the ongoing theme, and I love that. That is the That's ongoing great. theme. So I think that wraps it up. Thank you for listening. I'm Ben, and I'm John. And And this this is is worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. Listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. That's worthysubmissions at gmail.com.